Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Rowan wins it after the siren with a dead eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Ball Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He sets the chance to get through. Bontempelli! Simply the bot! Gives it to Gord. Willie from 55. Martin, goal, Tigers in front. At the final bell, it's a grand new flag. 57 years of torment eased. And a curse lifted. Melbourne Premiers in 2021. AFL Nation. Two weeks remain in the home and away season and there are just so many possibilities that can still play out. It is the rarest of seasons. For the Brisbane Lions, they have the two Friday night fixtures and those results will be the difference between finishing second and finishing sixth or just about every place in between. While for the Saints, they sit ninth. And nobody believes in St Kilda, but they have both of their two games at Marvel. And if they were to win them, they will see September. As is the case for so many of these swing games that remain, the stakes could barely be bigger. St Kilda and the Brisbane Lions begin round 22 under the closed roof at Marvel. Jared Waitley with you. Our Coats Hire commentary team tonight includes Jared Healy. Hello, Jared. Jared, as a St. Bede's boy, I'm a believer in the Saints. And I'm here today to be convinced. Having a few doubts along the way at halftime last week, I thought, no, the Saints, they're still hanging in there. Then they played like their season was over. So I'm still yet to be 100% convinced, but I want to, like my days at St. Bede's, I want to believe in the Saints. I barracked for them as a kid. <laughs> they let me down a lot of times, but they also gave me great enjoyment standing on the old steel cans in the animal cage. And I just love to see the Saints turn it on today and just finish off the season, giving their fans a bit of optimism. Because right now, it's the opposite. It's pessimism everywhere. And if the coach, if he wants people to believe... And we want to be believers. All fans want to be believers, but you've got to give us some substance. And we haven't had enough substance since the, uh, since the buy. Oh, I love it. I hope they're feeling it like you're feeling it, because that's how I've come to it. Show us how much it means give to you. Give us something. Because this is there for you. It is. It's there. I mean, Brisbane... I mean, Brisbane have had their own trials and tribulations since the buy, but last week they were challenged. And they came out and smashed Carlton. I mean, Carlton made it look good at the end, but the the scoreboard flattered them to a degree. But they come down here. They are still in their minds in the premiership race. And I'm not sure that St Kilda, deep down, think they are in the premiership race. They may not even deep down think they're in the finals race. And tonight that uh, dream may finish if they put in a lamentable performance. So it's all in front of us, Jared, tonight. Let's hope it's a hell of a lot better than St Kilda's performance where they were competitive to halftime. And then they fell right away against a, a Geelong side that lacked four of their best players. Yeah. So they've got Brisbane and Sydney, their two games at Marvel. Well, we'll see both of the Lions games, first against St Kilda and yep. then against Melbourne. And if the Lions do win tonight, yep. that the, 
the setup for that game is just monumental with the advantages of a qualifying final there for the winner and no place in the top four for the losers. So there's a lot of <laughs> forecasting, isn't there? It's uh, Look, I reckon for 10 years I uh, worked for a lot with, a long time with uh, Dwayne Russell and he was, he was one of the very first to really jump on the repercharge round, you know, the top 10 playoff. But since they've spun the draw and the top six sides of last year almost play each other again, in the last few rounds, you don't need it because the back month or the back four to six weeks of the season, it's electric. And we're seeing it play out here again tonight and over the weekend and, and again next week. Coats higher, we're more than higher, we're equipped for anything. Anthony Hudson, good evening. Evening to you, Jared. Uh, I'm inspired by uh, Jared. I played a bit of ju- my junior footy with the Kennington Saints, Jared. Yes. And I'm not quite sure why exactly we were the Saints, but we were the Sainers jumper and can't the Sainers. So that's, uh, that's got me inspired tonight. But likewise, I, I have actually been a believer in Brisbane all the way through. Uh, but And then you sort of watch them and then you go, oh, can I still be a believer? But they are such an offensive threat when they're up and going. And, and watching Chris Fagan and the way he's handled himself, uh, it, like for whatever the result is tonight, it just it does add to the fascination of, uh, of what's ahead. And Nathan Jones is also with us tonight. Hello, Jonesy. You've oh. got a family connection to the Saints, of course, at the moment. So And a passionate Saint as a kid too. You would have Man, been. Oh, absolutely I was. Down uh, on the peninsula. Yep. And uh, I still remember riding the, the bumps of that 90s, 90, what was 97 grand final, 98 grand final, and uh, the tears were flowing after they couldn't get the job done there. But I quickly lost that passion after many years at the Ds. But it's been reignited to some degree with my brother. Do you believe in either of these two teams? Oh, well, the Saints, I need a lot of convincing with the Saints. I think their best is good. I, I really enjoyed their second quarter last week. I, like very uh, significantly challenged in the first quarter against the Cats and fought back strongly to be right in contention at halftime, but then just showed nothing beyond that. The, 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 the Cats tore them apart and, and opened them up in an area where they matched them around clearance and contest, but they weren't able to stifle any of their ball movement, and the Cats just you know, ripped back through them on, uh, on turnover and, uh, and you know, from... From D50 to Ford 50, which is you know a real concern. Ultimately, they're they're not able to sort of defend that quicker ball movement. But you could see what impact that had on Brett Ratton too post match, couldn't you? Like the week before, he'd gone with the half full without yeah. getting any credit, and yeah, they'd gone okay, like you said, in the second quarter, and then a below strength Geelong team really tore them apart. Yeah, they did tear them apart and exposed them in a in a different way, really. Like that, you look at the numbers and they held their own to a certain degree around clearance. And, and stoppage and, and contest, but then the Cats, just every time the Saints turned it over, they just punished them going back the other way. Oh, the pain of the 71 grand final. It's still with me. <laughs> it's still with me as a 10-year-old. How could you possibly lose that grand final? I went to the toilet, I remember thinking, we can't lose this at three-quarter time. And then Hutto kicked one, and uh, I think it was Bob Kitty kicked a couple of others. Oh, Jesus, it, it was a savage drive home. <laughs> And then the Lions, so two excellent quarters against Richmond, three excellent quarters against Carlton. Are they ready to deliver their four quarters over the next couple of weeks and, and really win their way back into Premiership affection? Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm a bit more bullish with them. I think they're in a terrific spot, obviously. They've got to get the job done in the next couple of weeks just with so much riding on where that lands. My biggest concern, you know, a lot... A lot of people made issue of the fact that the, their record at the MCG, but my concern is more their record when they travel. They can't seem to, I guess, fire a shot at their, you know, at or near to their best footy, um, and you know that's a worry. So I think tonight is presents as that opportunity. 
uh, and it sets up for next week with the obviously huge stakes, as you've already mentioned, if, if they are able to get the job done. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot to like. I think some of their forwards who, you know, maybe four, four to six weeks ago weren't firing to the level, I think they've sort of reinvigorated themselves, found some form to Zach some... Zach Bailey's really important. The two Zs, Zorko and Zach. <laughs> they make a massive difference, don't they? Yep. 100%. Yeah, and it's, it's, I think just that, that dynamic and, and obviously Danaher when he's up and about... Um, you know, Hipwood when he's up about. I think that sort of that forward line dynamic, and then you add Cameron into that, who's been in terrific form as well. It's pretty difficult to defend that. I think that's going to prove a big handful for the Saints tonight. And I think the biggest test, as we saw with the Cats last week, the Saints weren't able to stop their ball movement well. You know, Brisbane are going to go at you with speed, and then they've got a lot of speed and uh, and you know versatility up forward. So. Yeah, it makes for an interesting game tonight. A revolutionary thought, this one, Jonesy. It'll be thrown out the window, uh, no doubt. But uh, there's a bloke called Lockie Neal who evidently is Brownlow medal favourite again. Last week up against the uh, the Blues, they made a blue and they didn't tag him. They sort of had a bit of cake and eat it too. Walsh, you go with him at the stoppage, but uh, he ended up uh, chopping them up. There's a kid called Windhager yep. that uh, has cut his teeth on running with some serious players and doing a good job. So surely you give that kid the job and just try and neutralise Neil to a degree. Absolutely. He he did a job last week on Guthrie um, and I wouldn't have been surprised if he lined up on Dangerfield had he got up and played. I think it's absolutely the right move. It's the move I'd be making. I think his best footy in the last sort of five, six weeks has been with the, you know putting a target on someone's back yep. and allowing him to develop and grow as a player. And I think that proves to be just another step up in, in, in challenge. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would 100% uh, you know, earmark Neil uh, for Windhager tonight. There's also always great expectation for Max King. And there's a bit of pressure on Harris Andrews, who was uh, focused uh, during the week by David uh, King on Jared's program uh, 360, and it was pretty savage, um, I guess, reflection on how he's going. And King's the same. He's had a good year. He's, he's, he's come along, but, uh, you know, we'd love to see a couple of breakout games between now and the end of the year where you are the dominant forward and you start to look like you're in your fourth year or your third year and you're, you're not far away from taking the season apart. Yeah, I think having watched, uh, you know, Max play, pretty closely last week I felt like you know albeit against the best defensive unit in the competition it, it he you know still has a lot of work to do to make contests and uh and I guess find different avenues to find the footy rather than just the the standard launch and mark you know I'd love to see him get up the ground more and use his leg speed and use his run and and try and hook in behind and and also what doesn't help him and and makes it Ten times harder is the fact that the Saints don't get a lot of flow on the ball yep. and, and, you know, having pure um, movement and, and speed on the footy allows for these forwards to, I guess, be get, get more creative and uh, create more opportunity. Are they a bit confused, the Saints? Early in the year, they were going hard off the back line. They had a couple of beltings. Then they put Brad Hill back. They got Sinclair running off the half-back line. And yet that's, that flow seems to have stopped. I mean, it's not as easy as just putting the clutch in and uh, banging it back a gear and putting in the third and uh, revving hard. But, uh, I mean, ultimately, you've got to risk losing the ball to get the ball forward quickly. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, watching last week, I felt like they were sort of caught in two minds. They would, 
they would want to play a more down the line, um, I guess, chaos type footy, but they'd send forwards up to the contest yeah. and allowing Geelong to drop off. So any time they try to rush the footy forward, Geelong would just mop up. But what we saw when they even the numbers in the second quarter last week was they were able to get flow on the footy. They pulled the trigger into the corridor and go out the open side and allow some of these runners that you talk yep. about behind the footy to run and overlap and link. And, and, and as soon as they got speed on the ball, then all of their forwards you know, came into the game and, and, and those opportunities were created. So that's the setup for tonight. We're going to be inside both camps, including with the Lions captain, Dane Zorko, around the on-field warm-up. So great access from the Lions tonight. So the, the biggest topic of the day, which came from a, a verdict about 10.30 last night when the appeals board stepped in and overturned the two-match suspension of Patrick Cripps. How, how did you take that in, Jared Healy? I want to, uh, I want to uh, applaud the person who represented Carlton, Chris Townsend. I thought he, he argued a really strong case. It seemed to me he bamboozled the uh, people representing the AFL. And ultimately, it's not a sign that he's innocent. It's just a sign that they had better lawyers than the AFL had lawyers. And he found a way to convince the, the jury that there was an error in law. So well done to him. I'm not sure it's uh, the right decision from a from a football perspective. Seemed to me it was more bump than anything else, but uh, that's okay. I'm not unhappy that he's playing, but the AFL need to tighten their rules up so they get the result that they actually have planned for. It's the scope of it. I thought was stunning because it's not supposed to be a rehearing of the case. Mm. Now, if it's not unless you've got new evidence. No, no, and yet, so the finding is that it was. No tribunal acting reasonably could have reached the verdict of yeah. guilty, which is... and that the error of law was that they they declared that it was a bump, mm. which it felt like just an incredible overreach for what is supposed to be the the legal. It's supposed, you know, it's supposed the to be the most the, tedious. Yeah. Four and a half hours, it was certainly tedious, but it's supposed to just centre on tedious legal argument rather than necessarily re-examining the video. Well. The, the two points about the bump, I mean, when does a bump become a bump? I mean, I think that was in the eye of the beholder. Um, but the other point, the legal point that the judge didn't advise the jury is, in speaking to someone uh, before I came here uh, of, um, you know, he's had history with the AFL, that's of the AFL's own making because previously up until this year, the chairman of the tribunal was a legal person who advised the former players on what was the decision that needed to be made. And they've changed that, that the chairman of the tribunal now is part of the panel that decides the verdict. And therefore, Chris uh, Townsend, he exposed that and he exposed the structural change for what it was. It's, it's become a weakness um, because the person can't advise the panel that he's, be, he's about to become part of. So it's his own defence rather than one-on-one? -on -one. <laughs> indeed it is, Hutto. It's unflattering for Jeff Gleeson, whose tribunal was found to be riddled with errors, and I'm not sure that Stuart Lowe and Wayne Henwood would be on great terms with Stephen Jerica and Richard Loveridge, mm. who, as, as four former players, two found that the other two had been completely unreasonable in the way that they, they had found the case. And that's the nonsense of it, really. I mean, it's, it's impossible to say it was unreasonable mm. to, to find that it was a bump. Yeah. You could say you don't agree with yes. it, but... It's, it's impossible to say it was an unreasonable decision because I think if you took a straw poll of everybody bar Carlton supporters, 80% would say 
it constituted a bump in the finish. He might have been going for the ball initially, but ultimately he bailed out, turned his shoulder, and, you know, there may have still been an element of going for the ball, but he's taken the hit out, and that constitutes a bump in most people's language. I, I guess, sorry, sig- more, most significantly, unless you're a Carlton supporter or playing against Carlton, and there's other teams that are impacted, of course, what does it mean from here on in? Well, I feel like any suspension from here on will go to appeal. Yep. And Chris Townsend at this time of the year, he, particular Carlton ought to put a retainer on Chris Townsend <laughs> so that he's only theirs. He's a board, I think run. he's a board member, Chris. Yes, he's a proud Carlton man. I, I think he would have even reduced his rates. I think once you're in the legal fraternity, you're getting a hold of that transcripts. If you're the lawyer likely to be in charge of a case at any club, and and working through it in the two and a half hours of um, of testimony that was put forward and the two hour deliberation. There's just so much that undermines the system as it stands. I think the AFL would have been utterly bewildered. I think they'll have to go back. They've done it before and changed the rules when they haven't got the outcome they wanted because of a slight error, you know, a word that needed to be changed to to clarify it. They've they've done it uh, before and uh, they'll no doubt do it again, I think. So what are we to make of it as observers of the game? That's the hardest part. I I am inclined to agree with... um, with the idea that it is a mess. We've sort of had reform after reform after reform to try to get to a point, and every time we're almost there, mm. we get shuttled back a, a fair way, I think. I know you're in the other 20% of this, Jonesy, aren't you? Yep. I uh, I didn't see a big issue with it. I understand that there was a, you know, a head injury out of it, but I, I think it, it, it resulted in a... A legitimate attempt to win the footy and yes he turned um, and having probably been in a similar situation can understand the mechanics of how it eventuated and I think you know it wasn't paid a free kick it wasn't reported on the spot yes there was an injury out of it but I feel like that's that's the game we play it's high contact sport and I know we're trying to reduce it but there's going to be issues and accidents we saw Something not too dissimilar with Willie Rioli earlier in the year. So I think they are very different. And I know it's not the popular opinion, but I think they're very, very different. Because Willie was running with his head up in the air, running with the flight of the ball. He didn't see the guy in his peripheral vision. And when he the ball actually got down to his eyesight and he saw the guy coming at the same time, he basically just covered up to protect himself. Whereas Paddy Cripps had him in his peripheral vision the whole way through. And as much as I argued against the case for um, uh, David Mackay versus Hunter Clark, where Hunter Clark got a broken jaw, it was savage, um, and both were going the football, the rule changed since then. And, and I didn't like, agree with the rule change, but they did change the rule. And, and you have to, if you are second to the ball, you have to pay the guy a duty of care. And, and that's where I'm confused now, that they could... They could, A, say it's not a bump, but B, the duty of the care, you're second to the ball. Where does that sit? Mm. Well, I sort of like watch that vision and put yourself in Paddy's shoes. You know, there, there's just there's such a fine line on can he or can't he win the footy, and I think he looks at it and goes, I'm a chance, and then you get there, and within a split second now, you're not going to win the ball, and you are going to get contact. You, you're going to initiate it. I think it's just a collision that that occurs in the game. You know, it's a, the ball is right there. I, I I think in that instance, 
it's such a slim reaction time to make the call on whether you can or can't win it. I think it, as a as a natural ball winner, whether it's 60-40, 50-50, 70-30, he still thinks he can win it until that final second where oh, I'm not going to win it and he has to protect himself. And I think it results in the collision that we saw. Yeah, and that's, uh, that, that is absolutely feasible and viable. That was Daisy's view too, yeah, wasn't it? I th- and I thought she put it across equally as well. It, it's just that it wasn't unreasonable to sit on the other side of yeah, it. Yeah, of that, course. That's the threshold of last night, that, which is why it is so bewildering. And now it's just whether you agree with my position or the other side of the fence – all that's happened is the waters are even more muddier. Yeah. So for the average punter that sits and watched, watches, I don't think anyone could tell you whether it's going to constitute in a, in a report or not. Does the bump, does the definition just, does the word bump come out and it becomes just like a, if you contest the ball that you've got to be responsible yeah, but then for that's changing But that's the, the game. That's, that's the, the problem. Game. You can't yeah. change it. And this is the, you know, Jonesy's articulated it well. This is the challenge. I mean, I personally think he had a chance to do something else. He could have, he could have bailed out and tackled him. He could have pushed him away rather than uh, turned the shoulder. Uh, and I don't think he gave him enough duty of care. But, but nevertheless, it is such a fine line that uh, it is going to be difficult for them, I think, to write a rule that is going to cover all of those nuances. Shall we hear from Michael Voss today? There was a, a little bit of mirth to this as, as well as the seriousness. No, I gave up after about a half an hour. The first half an hour, I sort of thought, oh, no, this might go for a while. So, um, But no, I, I think sometimes some of those things are completely out of your control. Um, you hand it over to the people that did a great job. And Paddy Cripps couldn't even... He stayed for a while and then went home and bit his it himself with other things. <laughs> just, just let me know. But it was, it was a good night, though. It was a, I mean, there's nothing better than a contentious tribunal decision, let's be honest. I, I was online with a yeah, couple of Carlton people, and uh, they asked me what I thought, and I thought uh, probably probably uh, 30-70. An hour later, it was 40-60, and then quickly it went to 50-50, 60-40. As we got late into the night, it was 70-30, and fast-tracking to 80-20, and in the end, it was 100. <laughs> What sort of boost is it for the Blues? Oh, it's massive. Oh, I think it's yeah. massive, yeah. I totally agree. It's just a huge win to have early in the week, and uh, you get, you know, obviously an absolute gun of the team, the spiritual leader and captain. I think it's huge, and it just adds to the theatre of that game this week. The trouble is that they're playing Melbourne, and, you know, they're wounded. They've got a couple of their really good ball players. I mean, Hewitt, the loss of Hewitt, I think, can't be underestimated. He has he was all-Australian level for a long period of the time. So his loss, I think, has coincided with them, them falling away. And then Kennedy as well. Well, Kennedy now, is, you know, it's exacerbated it. So, I mean, they may play really well and still get beaten and throw all their eggs into the Collingwood basket, and, and they may do the same. But at least they go in with a fighting chance now of upsetting one of those two sides. There's another possibility in all of this is that they do come out, heroically win, Cripps gets three votes, and on Brownlow night, those are the three votes that take him back to the top of the leaderboard. Like, there's so much stitched into last night's for the possibilities of what's to come. Oh, it's exciting, really. That's I think that's what I've loved about the season, and that just keeps... It's, it's the season that keeps on giving for mine. It's been an enjoyable one for me, first year out of the game to sit back and enjoy it from this perspective and there's just still so many little bits and pieces to fall in place before we get to a final series that should 
should provide plenty of entertainment. And along those lines of Kingy's criticism about all the elements that aren't working, that we need to recognise that the elements that are working, which was yeah, yeah. and the, what the stand rule, I don't think it's perfect, but what it's helped the coaches and then the, then the players deliver has been part of what has made it an exhilarating season where we are where we are. The, the, the AFL didn't front it again today, Jared. Oh. They're, they're, they're missing. Is anybody talking to the AFL now? No, I don't think so. I mean, so. there's a lot of them up there in Sydney talking about um, TV rights. I know that. But part of being doing the TV rights... Which is, is very is important, Jared. Somebody actually has to go on TV. Go and lead. You've got to Tell lead and happening. you've got to be heard. And, you know, when Andrew Dillon is potentially going to be the next leader of the game, well, if he's going to do that, he's got to get out and front the media and tell the people who come to this game and the people playing it where we now sit. And if it's not him, it needs to be delegated. But ultimately, when it's something of this magnitude, it should be the man who's the head of football. Yeah. And I think we've had a number of these issues in recent times um, where there's been deathly silence from the AFL. I mean, we all know that it'll go away because there's always something else. But at the end of the season, you think, well, who's actually got their hands on the tiller here? Yep. Or are we just meandering our way through the season? They're like the impressionist artists. They just put it up and say, oh, you make what you want of it. Well, no, there, there is some level of accountability required to your paying customers. Look, unfortunately, when you're old and you've been in it for a long time, you can, you can remember back in another era. And when I first started on Sports Day, Ian Collins would come in for an hour every Tuesday night. Every Tuesday night, Mark Evans did exactly the same. Adrian Anderson did exactly the same. You're lucky to get them two hours a year at the moment. AFL Nation, the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. The Friday night to start round 22 on AFL Nation. We are in the Coates Hire commentary box. Coates, we're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. St Kilda and the Brisbane Lions ahead of us. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Nathan Jones and Jared Healy with you for the call and all that's taking place in footy at the moment. It's been a lively old week at Port Adelaide, mainly by their own hand. Um, the, the idea of placating the fans from the president seemed to blow up on him rather spectacularly as it undermined the coach and there was a bit to be done for David Kosh in his regular slot on Channel 7 last night. As we always do, we'll thoroughly assess our football program as a whole at season's end. But as the club has maintained all year, Ken Hinckley is contracted and will be our coach in 2023. So definitive at the last, which is what he <laughs> forgot to say. On Early Monday. in the week, yes. Uh, it was a, uh, I mean, it was a mess of their own making, namely the, the president. He hasn't done much wrong. He's been a fantastic leader of that club over a long time. But but he's he done a bit of this before too, hasn't he? Yes, he's, he, he likes beating the drum a bit. And, well, you know, he followed it up uh, with the clearing of Wingard and Co. a couple of uh, years ago, which has reset them pretty well. But this was one that didn't really need to be done because Ken's in his last year. And, you know, even even it had sort of, I think, um, sort of similarities to Nathan Buckley. Do they go on? Do they want it for the next five years? If you don't, well, then, okay, let's finish it now. And I think it had those similarities. But If um, he was out of contract, would he be the coach next year? I'm not sure, but I, I reckon they'd be having a long, hard think about it. Yeah. Do we want him for the next five years? And, and ultimately, they're going to face that question, you know, this time next year or earlier than this time next year. Two previous preliminary finals is pretty strong credentials, isn't it? Oh, absolutely it is. But I think... But Jared, then, you know, counter that 10 years without winning yeah, one and all that. Yeah, absolutely. And Jared makes a good point. I think it's, it's the discussion on, is he the next guy for five years? 
not the next 12 months. And that discussion may be had at the end of this season anyway. Mm. Um, and if not, and they see it through, and essentially next year would be an audition. If he says, yeah, I'm in, and I'm in beyond this year, well, then you'd expect him to sort of reset and they regroup and begin, not a rebuild, but they, they've got to reinvigorate in some capacity. And... Um, and if he can pull off that the result next year, and his his intention is to be there again long term, well then you can probably see that. But it could e- quite easily go the other way as well. I think he'd be a good fit for a job that came up either now, either the two that are available now, or or another one into the future. Personally, well he would be, and he may be missing a, an opportunity to put his hand up for a couple of the jobs that are available. But you know there may be even better jobs available next year. So it, look, it's difficult to see people. And it's probably happened before, but um, getting another contract at the same club after ten years without a flag, you know, doesn't happen very often. So there's a there's a fair bit to be played out for Ken next year and and for the club, and and hopefully that they can rebound and have a good start because there's no question they're they're still respect him. They're playing for him. He may, you know every coach gets uh, criticised in the in the media and by supporters who want a premiership every year. But uh, there's no question that, you know, Ken, after a zero five 5 start, has done a pretty good job. Yeah, they just burnt, they just tailed, oh, tailed off a bit yeah. last week particularly. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens in the next two. But the notion of it, show us something in the next two weeks, that was, it just sounded like... Yeah, yeah, that was nonsense. Yeah. It was vintage Adelaide radio <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> and he tipped into it. So it, it, it's Koshy's own fault. But it does put... Like the Leon Cameron example that we've just lived. Yeah. So it does put a huge emphasis on the first eight weeks of next season. It does. And I don't think anybody wants to see the Leon Cameron experience repeated, even if they decided uh, internally that uh, he wasn't going to be there. They shouldn't have been honest with him and they should have just found a way to either keep that going further for another, you know, till at least the bye um, or even a little bit longer. Um, because, you know, ultimately, you know, the players are wondering what direction they've got. I mean, Spike McVeigh's done a, an okay job. I think he's a fine young apprentice coach. But it may well, he's come into it with no preparation. He hasn't been able to change game plans. He's got injuries, etc. He hasn't had a chance to impact on the draft. So he's had a long term chance to turn it around. Um, last week was a real tick for him. And if he could win tomorrow, that'd be a real tick for him again. But again, injuries have hit. But so. injuries have hit. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough challenge to, to do it from his position. But he did get an opportunity and he still got that opportunity, which he may never have got. Tasmania, how are you reading where we are with Tasmania? So what I know, there, there's no president's meeting in the diary for the remainder of August. Right. So the notion that there is that there's going to be a vote in August, well, is for wrong. the moment, there's no meeting. Right. So maybe a meeting will be slotted in over the next couple of weeks. But from what I can glean, there is no scheduled meeting that a vote would take place at. Well, it's really been an interesting read and follow because four weeks ago, this was on. There's plenty of people around town who thinks it's still on. But when Gil walked out of that meeting with the new Premier and he threw up the notion of a stadia, stadium, which I, th- I assumed and most people assumed was part of the deal anyway, and then all of a sudden it's on the back page of the, the local paper down in Hobart, then I thought to myself, well, that's fair enough. You're going to have to, you know, if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, this is the one chance that the AFL have got to negotiate 
um, from a strong hand to get a purpose-built stadium that's going to be brilliant for the town, brilliant for the state, and brilliant for footy. And I and when the pushback came two weeks ago that it, the uh, the premier was only going to pay fifty percent, I thought, well, maybe he's trying to get out of the deal because he's found it politically untenable to spend seven hundred fifty million dollars. Maybe he's rung the feds and they're not prepared to put it in because of uh, the current financial climate. But then I also wonder, as much as everybody in football loves the notion of a Tasmanian team, do the AFL actually really, in their heart of hearts, think it can work and want a part of it? And maybe it's them that's trying to prevaricate by throwing up the the stadium deal. So I'm a bit confused, but... The love between the AFL and the and the oneness and the drive to this team certainly has uh, has hit the brakes or hit a, hit a hurdle simply because nobody's prepared to pay for the stadium. Is the stadium essential? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm in that camp. And I know Colin Carter doesn't. Andrew Demetrio said last night it doesn't. And and you don't need it in year one or year two or three. Yeah. But if you don't get it as part of the deal. It's never going to That's happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, the change of government will come in and they'll put a lick of paint on uh, Bell Reeve. And Bell Reeve is not the answer long term. No, Bell Reeve isn't the answer. No. I don't think. It's not. I, well, yeah, I don't think it it's is. It's a wonderful opportunity for the state to get a new stadia, stadium. And if they can convince the feds to tip in, which they should, to have a home of sport that everyone is proud of down in Tassie, then that's the time you get a club. Yep. You only get one shot at that. Yep. I, I absolutely agree with that. Here's Andrew Demetrio, Jared, with you last night on the notion as to whether this is now or never for Tassie. I don't buy this proposition that if it doesn't get up this time, it'll never get up. And it's dead and buried forever. I don't. That's just melodramatic. Mm. Maybe it's maybe the timing's not right. Maybe it, maybe the economy's not where it should be at the moment. Maybe it needs to wait for a period of time. Maybe it needs to someone to come along and invest in a stadium or a multi-purpose venue and build a hotel. Who knows? But it doesn't mean it's dead and buried if it doesn't get up at this point in time. And people should take a deep breath and, and just back the team and back the best, best possible opportunity you should have. So I think that's true from Footy's point of view, but I don't think it's true from Tassie's point of mm. view. I think that misses that this will break Tasmania's heart yep. and it will disenfranchise them for Footy for a couple of generations. And I don't think anyone in living memory will then go back to the AFL because yep. they'll feel they've been completely done over this time. Yes, that's... A, that's I think you'd... It, I can understand why you feel that way. Andrew also went on to explain that from a financial perspective, the best way to introduce the Tasmanian team would be to introduce the Northern Territory team at the same time. So you do get an extra match. You don't just get an extra team. And that would then you know, be underwritten by the new TV rights deal, and I if in conf- fact it actually adds yeah. any value, and that's debatable because uh, I, I, I hear often about the extra money that's been pumped into the game because of the Giants and the Suns, and it's certainly there's a number there you can divide it by and come up with that, uh, that figure, but at the time that deal was done, talking to people involved in the deal, that wasn't the case. It wasn't a factor in extra money. Yep. Well, that would have been interesting to know what the deal would have been if it didn't have that extra game. I mean, the, the production costs for any one game yeah. are, are, are big yeah. in itself. So, uh, yeah, I, I get the, the 20th team, I 
get conflicting views on from some people reckon it's actually not that far away potentially you know and people who who should know and others say nah it's a mile away it's yeah you're dreaming it's 10 well there's plenty of people out there that don't think there's enough players for 19 i'm not one of those because i mean ultimately the scoreboard is what people go to the football for i mean you can have some games where there's unbelievable skill you can have some games where there's no skill it's in in muddy conditions i think people go to the game to see the scoreboard and see their side win, not to see a beautiful stab pass. 20 teams is a lot, though. That's a, that's a lot of teams not succeeding in a year, too. It is, but then you can make adjustments around that. You can play everybody once, so it's only a 19-season yeah. competition. There's some upsides to it. Yeah. So that's, that's a plus. What do you think, Jonesy? I, I, I liked Andrew Demetrios, but I probably sit in the, I've always sat in that view. Like I think it's got to be financially viable for the competition or else... You know, irrespective of, I know the passion of Tassie, but you want it to succeed long-term. Like, we've already seen... Well, I still think there's there's big concerns around GWS. You you touched on it a few weeks ago. Like, you know, and their viability and how, you know, their fan base and attracting members and, you know, attracting viewers to watch their... You know, I think that, that has to players. improve. And, and as players. a result of that, players. I mean, uh, exactly. And we've seen the trials and tribulations of Gold Coast as well. Oh, like to throw another one, possibly two more teams in that, that are going to be so, you know, green. Mm. I, I have big concerns about that. Like I, I think ultimately if I was to put crystal ball, you know, 10 years from now, yeah, 100%. Let's have 20 teams, every state, territory rep, uh, represented, what, yep, let's contribute to that. Like you, you've touched on it, this as well. What's the charter? What's the vision for the AFL? Is this when are we planning on doing this? Yep. I, th- I think all of these are relevant, and I think the AFL. It's important that they are able to articulate that to everyone, so we can, I guess, get some perspective on it. On AFL Nation across the weekend, when we take your feedback, it will be on the Southern Phone open line. Stay in touch with Southern Phone mobile plans. We're about to touch base with both camps, St Kilda and the Brisbane Lions. The captain, Dane Zorko, will join us around the on-field warm-up. Tonight's St Kilda game is for Holmes Glen. Mid-year intake. Apply now at Holmes Glen. On AFL Nation, we are in the Coatsire commentary box. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones. Coats, we're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. We're inside the Saints camp here with Brendan Laid from the coaching staff. Brendan, great to have you on board. Thanks for having me, guys. Are you feeling it? Finals on the line as you come to this Friday night encounter? Yeah, we built it up like a final all week. So we're in a six-day break. They're on a five-day break. Uh, Friday night footy, so bring it on. Let's get it, let's get it started, though. Eh? Give us a little burst of, of what it's been like. Uh, well, we weren't great against Geelong last week. We played one good quarter, so we reviewed a lot of that. Um, some of our ball movement, we go too slow, we go too fast at the time, so we're not balanced enough in our attack. Um, and we'll put a bit of work into our contest tonight. Obviously, Brisbane are a very good contest side, and um, we'll put some work into Neil and see if we can get that job done. Are you happy with the intensity around the ball and the, the, the mindset coming in? Because... You can start well and then it drifts apart. If, you, if your ball movement drops off, then all of a sudden your, your emotional uh, engagement can drop off. It's not supposed to, but uh, we all know humans, that's what happens, Brendan. But are you, can you guarantee us that the players are still in this season, they're ready to roll and they're fighting for their lives? No, we're definitely fighting for our lives. We're, uh, we're ready for the contest. Uh, hopefully we can do it for the four quarters. That's been our challenge all year. Um, we're generally a very good pressure side, so... 
Hopefully we can get at them quick tonight and put them under enough pressure so our backs get some uh, easier defensive looks. And um, hopefully we can attack well off that and, and score better going inside 50. We've got some, uh, they've got some good defenders down there and we need to be able to separate them and get some good targets. One of the uh, questions always when you do a Saints game is where's Brad Hill going to play, half forward, wing or half back? Where do you want to play him, Jared? I'd like his uh, rebound off the half back, but uh, I defer to you because you've seen the magnets <laughs> on the board. Uh, he'll play. He'll play everywhere, but he'll, he'll start forward tonight. Um, we feel it playing as a forward, coming up the ground, and using his um, his leg speed and his, his ball use is very important for us when he's playing well. Uh, we just need to give him the ball when he's in the right position, and, and Brad will generally make it up quite well. And whilst we're running through team spots, you might as well let us in. We all assume Winhager will tag Lockie Neal. He's done a great job for you in recent weeks. Does he get the Brownlow medalist? Uh, he'll be around him yep. very early in the game, so if that's going to him, I suppose he is. No, Marcus will do it. He'll, um, he's done a great job on you know the three or four he's done beforehand and showed he can, uh, can match it with him inside. So Lockie Neal's a Brownlow medalist and he's probably up a step from the others. So hopefully he can get, uh, do the job for us. Lady Rowan Marshall's having a pretty good year in the ruck. Just looking through the team list, who's, who steps in as a, as a second ruck to back him up tonight? Uh, Lino's second ruck tonight. He, he'll play on the wing, Jared Leanett. Uh He did it a couple of weeks ago and did it quite well and uh, competed very well. His dad used to be a ruckman, so he knows how to do it a little bit. Um, and that's all we need, <laughs> just a little bit. It's in, his, it's in his DNA. That's right. And Dan Hannery, mate, have we got an update on him? He, could he have been a chance to play tonight or he pulled up lame? He was touch and go. He got subbed out of the Geelong game, so made it made it tough for him on a six-day break as well. Um, he was probably always going to struggle on a six-day break anyway, if he was even if he got through the game. So, uh, look, we'll, we'll rest him this week, and uh, hopefully he's right to go next week. It can't be a St Kilda interview with the lady without asking about Max King. Are our expectations of him too high? I mean, he's he's consistently scoring goals, which is is what you need. Is he is he tracking about where he should be? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. He's, he's around 50 goals for a 22-year-old key forward, which is pretty impressive. Um, he, he's going to have his ups and downs, and he's working th- through a few pattern issues at the moment and getting uh, getting to the right side for the kickers to see him and, and all that kind, those kind of things. So he'll play a bit high tonight on Andrews and try and get him out of the way, but we know when Max plays high, he generally marks it up the field and can use it quite well going inside 50. So um, that's not saying he won't be inside 50, but we'll try and get Andrews a bit higher if we can. And colleagues I've worked with over the years, like Robert Walls and like Jared Healy, who's alongside me now, always like to say, get him into the ruck, get these guys into the ruck if, they, if they're not uh, taking the marks early. Is, is that something that you have thought about doing? I know he's had a few hit outs, but thought about doing it you know, for longer periods? We actually talked about it this week. So um, it's something we're looking at. It's just... Yeah, that Ferrari sitting down there and putting him, you know, doing the Holden Commodore work, it's not probably great. So, uh, look, it's it's good for a, a young key forward or any forward to go into the ruck if they're not touching it because you get a bit run around the ground. Um, it's a little bit of a different look up there. Normally ruckmen don't play on each other anyway, so he gets a bit of freedom. So we'll definitely look at it. It's just whether we've got the balls to do it. Brendan, you play on this ground a lot. Is there a secret to playing well on this ground? It's when, when you get the opportunity to attack, you need to attack. Um, if, you, if you're too slow with your ball movement, it's an easy ground to defend. But it, when you get the opportunity to hit the corridor and go, um, that's when you can really do some damage. And you see the, the good quarters we played here, especially earlier in the year, uh, we did that a lot. We got the ball inside. We are able to get some good, good movement off of that and then and connect well forward. So that's what we're looking to do tonight. But it won't all be fast. We need to slow it down at times as well and have a good balance to our attack. Brendan, good to have you with us. Thanks a lot. 
Thanks for having me, guys. Brendan Laid, assistant coach with the Saints. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. I think, did you want to ask about Zach Jones now? Two minutes to put that forward. Well, seeing as we've got his brother here, yeah, why don't yeah. we? What's happening with Zach? Um, oh, well, he, has, he had a rough start to the year and probably never really struck his best form and um and he's just working his way through that uh you know he's he he he'd he sort of started to find an element of it yep. and uh and they obviously have been very up and down and uh, and that's probably affected his form as well and it's just just finding his feet again really and and finding his position i think uh, you know they got a plethora of guys they're trying to find the right mix and and also sort of find where he fits. Can I ask you another question about Jason Horn Francis? You played in a club that uh, had some high-profile first-round players that didn't make an impact and didn't make an impact long-term. This kid's only been around for 12 months. But he's been dropped. He's going home. Uh, they're going home to his home state. He's not part of the tour. He hasn't really had a standout game to hang his hat on at the present time. There's all sorts of rumours that uh, he's not happy, etc. And he uh, has been dropped before he's been dropped again what what do you see the issues are surrounding Jason Horn Francis and how should North Melbourne handle it well just from what I've seen with vision and watching the games I think there's an element of uh, body language that would be would, that would come into question um, and then reading obviously the comments I think it was from Brent Harvey around standards and those kind of things yep. uh, I think they're well within their rights, and I think it's the 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 right thing to do with a young player is to set the set the standard of behaviours yeah. and and the level of expectation very clearly, or else you're forever chasing your tail. We're going to come back through that, and Jake Niles just posted a story saying that North have offered Clarkson at least five years to be their coach. St Kilda and the Brisbane Lions begin round 22 here at Marvel Stadium, AFL Nation. The pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones with you very shortly. Brisbane's captain, Dane Zorko, is going to join us as he runs out to do the on-field warm-up. North Melbourne, so in the conversation Jason Horn Francis dropped yep. um, for the trip back to Adelaide. Jake Nile just posting on the age that he believes North Melbourne has offered at least a five-year contract for Alistair Clarkson to be the uh, the senior coach. It feels like it's running in that direction. If you if you're reading the tea leaves, no, but it would appear as if uh, it's only a matter of time before Clarko takes the job. That's the way it it, it reads. Whether or not it happens or not, who's to know? GWS may come up with a better deal. I don't think Clarko wants to leave Melbourne just at the moment. I think he loves his golf down at the National. He's got a farm down there. Um, not going to be spending too much time doing those things, though, if he takes on the coaching job, is no, he? No, that's, that's a good point. But at least he'd get one day a week, Hutto, yeah. I suspect. But, look, they need, they need a name like Clarko to rejuvenate that club, and I think they need his expertise. So it's a perfect fit. Lots and lots of positives. But uh, still got to be nailed down. What do you think, Nathan? I'm I'm in that camp as well, Jared. I think it, from where I sit, it fits. I think Clarko fits with North. They need uh, they need to be able to, I guess, sit behind his reputation for some period of time and uh, to buffer some of the pressure that will come to help 
rebuild and restructure and rejuvenate their team and club to get their, them back to playing the footy that I'm sure all their supporters want to see them be able to achieve. Yep. Is it is their list better than what we thought? Like, have we seen enough even under Lee Adams to go, oh, there's a bit more there than what we thought? Well, I saw them last week and they were really competitive. I, I liked where they were at, but they worked pretty hard. Come back through that because Dane Zorko's just walked out ahead of the warm-up to join us. Dane, welcome to AFL Nation. All right, lads. You feeling it on this Friday night as we get toward the, the peak of the home and away season? Yeah, well, hopefully the crowd fills in a little bit. She's a bit bare <laughs> at the moment, but fingers crossed she fills up. How, uh, what sort of form are you in? Two great quarters against Richmond, three great quarters against Carlton. How close to peak are you? Yeah, yeah well, we've obviously been spoken a bit, uh, speaking about it for about four or five weeks that we want to start playing our uh, best football towards the back end of the home and away season, and I think we've seen that in patches. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to hold on against Richmond, but it was a much better showing last week against Carlton. There was plenty to like offensively and defensively. Um, you know, there was just that lapse in the last quarter, which we rectified late and um, were able to pull away again. But, um, you know... Certainly, we feel as a group that our best football is still in front of us, and, and we're building towards that. How's the coach going, uh, Dane? He's, he's had a he's had a difficult year. You've been up and down with your form. You've you've been at the top of the ladder. You've lost a couple. You've uh, been killed by COVID. Um, you've missed a couple of close ones, unlike last year where you got a couple of close ones. But he's held his manner publicly at least uh, pretty strong. Yeah, he has. I mean. He's getting greyer, and I think there's a lot of hair falling out, so <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little bit concerned for him. But, um, yeah, look, I think the way he's coached us has been consistent throughout the whole year. Um, we've added things to our game plan on the back of last year's um, final series, um, and there's obviously going to be a teething period with that. But overall, I think he's done a fantastic job again with our group. As you said, we've had um, plenty of uh, adversity to face throughout the season. Yep. That's one thing we spoke about in our off-season is, we wanted to deal with those moments better throughout games and weeks, and we've got them right at times, and we haven't. So um, there's still plenty of uh, room for improvement, but, um, you know, I think he's handled himself really well, and hopefully we can start playing our best footy for him. Bane, there was sentiments a couple of weeks ago that you guys struggled at the G, but more so diving deeper into that is is your record on the road. Do you, do you hold any concerns with that? Is there anything you're trying to change up, focus on to perform at your best when you are particularly travelling to Melbourne? Uh, no, not really. Um, I guess the, it was out that we couldn't win at the G or we didn't play well there, and I feel as though we answered that um, pretty convincingly in, in the first half, and um, unfortunately, for whatever reason, we weren't able to go on with it, but um, I feel like that's sort of quashed a little bit. Our form on the road's actually been pretty good. I think you know, the only games we've lost have been at the MCG. We went down to Fremantle over there, um, and, and of course Hawthorne, but in all those games we've been, apart from the Melbourne game, we've been right up to it, so... Um, for whatever reason, we haven't been able to go on with it, but we've addressed it, we've spoken about it, and um, you know it's over to us now to, to go out and execute. And I've got great belief in this group that um, we can get the job done. How good is and can be Kitty Coleman? There's a few <laughs> people in the media already trying to claim him as my boy and all that, and you can see why. I mean, what he does when he's not cramping is, is pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, if he didn't cramp against Richmond, it might have been a different story, so I've let him know about that. But, uh, nah, look, he's a fantastic young player, and he's still growing and improving, and I think... With the likes of Daniel Rich down there, and he's had um, Hodgie and Bruce, um, what's his name, Grant Birchall, <laughs> Bruce, um, and Cameron Bruce, who was with him as well, um, he's, uh, he's just growing every week. So we're wrapped with his development and what he's um, been able to do. He'll continue to work on his tank over the off-season. Um, that's one area that he's identified that he can improve on as well. So we know what he can do with the ball. Um, but I guess for him tonight, it's about locking down his opponent and he can build off the back of that. 
What about your own development, uh, Dane? You started the season as a halfback. It was an experiment that uh, it, it paid some dividends. But uh, you've pushed your way back into the midfield and uh, and forward of that. Yeah, well, I guess Kitty coming back into the side sort yep. of forced me, forced my hand to go back into the midfield and forward. And you know, it's been a little bit um, injury um, interrupted, which has been a little bit disappointing. But I feel like I'm over that now, which is um, for the mind really um, relieving and. I guess going forward now, I've just got to keep building my base. And, yep. um, and I felt over the last two weeks I've been able to do that. Been on the end of, uh, you know, some nice passages of play for us. So um, fingers crossed I can keep building on that. But, um, you know, as Faye said, we wanted to add a lot of flexibility into our playing group last year. I've been able to do that. I can play multiple positions, positions now for the team if needed. And I think we've probably seen that over the last fortnight as well. Your partner in crime, crime sorry, mate, Lockie Neal, is in incredible form. Is this a better year than his Brownlow year, you think? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I don't know if there's been a better player in the comp this year, um, for sure. I think um, his ability to work, um, even with a tagger, um, hanging on to him all day, it's just been phenomenal. And I, I reckon there's been countless times that I've been in the midfield with him and he's just run past me like I'm glued to the ground, um, just trying to, to get things going for us. And um, that's probably little bit of a, of a difference of what it was in his Brownlow year. I think, you know, he probably, he probably just hunted in and around the contest and, and, and got his disposals in around that, but this year he's been able to get on the spread, he's hit the scoreboard. Um, it's It's been really influential and, and so infectious for our group. How did you find uh, the Paddy Cripps decision? The, <laughs> the third one? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, one. well, I mean, it is what it is, but you know, we're obviously without Cal Archie for the next two weeks with concussion, so um, it Live, it didn't look great. Um, obviously, there's angles that say that it's all clear and that's all we can go by. We can't really worry about that now. Um, but, yeah, it's were you a bit more? Were you confused by it or were you enlightened by it? Yeah, a little bit. I, I guess you just got to look at recent um, instances where people have been hit in the head and the guys have automatically got um, weak suspension. So, um, I guess from a player's point of view, we just want consistency. If that's the precedence, and that's the precedence. Uh, 100th game as captain. We better let you go and lead the warm-up. Thanks a lot, Dane. Legends, cheers. Good on you. Dane Zorko down with us. <laughs> all, all we want is consistency. Uh, we probably want the right decisions more often than, than consistently wrong decisions. But anyway, um, we'll never get consistency, I don't think. Um, Dane Zorko trots off to go and join the Lions uh, warm-up. So just in the North Melbourne conversation. Yep. So first on, on the stocks that they've got, and then how you see the dropping of Jason Horn francis well, I'm with Jonesy. You've got to have standards, and uh, this kid's body language on the ground has uh, been average for a long period and was poor last week. I, I watched him last week. I I've been waiting for him to give us the standout game that justifies his number one ranking. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen a lot of North Melbourne. Um, I like what he can do with the ball when he gets the ball, but uh, there's a lot of work issues he needs to address. There's body language issues, and he's got to, he's got to make up his mind. He's either going to embrace the North Melbourne... This, uh, environment and stay or put your hand up and say I don't want to be here and go and and just get your get your heart and your absolute soul into your work because if, if that's what's holding you back, be open, be honest don't try and kid everybody because you're going to end up uh, doing more of this next year and as far as North are concerned, I think Clarko would have a chat to this kid yeah. and turn him around and say okay Come with me, young fella, and I'll take you to a grand final. Because I don't think he came here with a negative thought about coming to Victoria. So obviously, for yep. whatever reason, obviously part of itself, it hasn't worked yep. out the way he thought. But a new coach can come in and, yep. and change things, I reckon.
Oh, I just think he has to dig in, really. He has to make that decision. He has to, If he's in, he's in for the long haul and he's prepared to fight his way through it. And if he's not, it's too hard for him. Well, then let the club know and they can move in a different direction. Do, do you want to be the number one pick you know, now or does the extra pressure actually, is it like a lot of the kids coming through, but it surprised me in a way. They've got, yeah, I want to be that number one yeah. pick and even Nick, well, Nick Dacos, Dacos was a classic. Yeah, we didn't even need to, but well, wanted he it. Which, played like a number one pick yeah. and I don't think it would have sat badly on his shoulders. I no, think I the kid think would have done exactly this. It depends on mindset I mean, and, and character and personality. Some so, people, someone pointed out to me that like Denver... Granger Barras has been, he's, what is he, in his third year, second year, third year, but he was picked five or six, yep. has been dropped a number, of, and they think he's going fine, but he's been yep. dropped a number of times, but there's been absolutely no publicity about him at all, so that's a much easier path, isn't it? One of the problems with the number one pick is 90% of the time, they go to a side right down the bottom mm. of the ladder, so there's a lot of focus on the Max King is a, a similar one, even though he wasn't number one. Side at the bottom of the ladder, all the hope is in. You're going to lead us to the promised land, which is a ridiculous amount of pressure. But that's the, that's the lot. Um, but some kids thrive on it. And, you know, Nick Dacos, I think, would have thrived on it whether Collingwood was on the bottom or whether Collingwood uh, is where they are right now. All right, our Friday night build-up ahead of St Kilda and Brisbane. Tomorrow, tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel-drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech drive at Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Still plenty to kick around as Devin Smith has announced his retirement. Uh, Dusty Martin's not going to get back in this home-and-away season. And what's to become of Brody Grundy. It's all in the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. Tonight's St Kilda game is for Holmes Glen. Media intake. Apply now at Holmes Glen. St Kilda and the Brisbane Lions unchanged tonight. The subs are Zach Jones for the Saints and Ryan Lester for the Lions. Our lag- luggage partner is Samsonite. Unpack the world with Samsonite. Visit samsonite.com.au. Jared Healy and Nathan Jones are our experts tonight. We usually play a bit of old bull, young bull. I'm not sure whether this quite fits in or not, but Brody Grundy and Max Gorn in the same team, <laughs> Jonesy. What do you think? Well, I, I didn't mind it, to be honest. If Jackson does go, I like the fact there there's an element of contingency there. I'm not sure it's the same look. I don't think Grundy's not the same player as... As Jacko, as far as uh, I mean, as a sort of pure forward, and he really provides a different dynamic as far as ruck. You're, you've got two big lumbering giants, but they are. Uh, if Grundy got could get anywhere near his best, I think it's a good replacement. And obviously, there'd have to be uh, Collingwood willing to pay some of his contract. Yep. yep. Which you look at that and you go, well, I think it's I think it'd be a good move if 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 that's what it came down to. I'm I'm in support of it, and I saw Max is in support of it, and you know it'll play out as it does. But it's fascinating that Grundy didn't get back, isn't it? Like if he'd got back and played a couple of games, or even three or four games, yep. we would have got an idea of his importance to Collingwood and whether he could play a bit more time for. But we still don't really know that, so that adds to the intrigue for me. What we do know though is that Max is fast becoming a very capable person to go forward, exactly, and yeah. play forward. And he can run forward. He's running as well as he ever has. I, I've really liked his athleticism. It's, 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 it's not his best year at the moment, but it's still a high-quality year. Um, and the weekend, he played a 10 out of 10 game. 
And what struck me in that match was how badly Collingwood were missing Brody Grundy because none of their Darcy couldn't go with Darcy couldn't go with Max. I watched him. He was jogging when Max was running. And I, I, to me, when I thought, saw that game, I thought, well, the Pies are, are going to be better because Brody Grundy's going to come into this side and give them the extra run mm. that Cox and um, Darcy and Cameron don't do. And that it would appear as if all the, the forces would be sort of summoning that he's out the door. And yet if I'm Craig McRae, I, I want that kid, I want that bloke playing for me. Because if he's out the door, that allows them to do, bring a whole lot of other players in, I guess. Yeah, thinking. that does, but it's still going to come back to the problem that they haven't got the A-grade Ruckman. Mm. Now, Darcy Cameron's going well, but yeah, maybe some... he can improve his, his athleticism and he can do it on half the wage. But, uh, gee, it's a pretty handy player to be uh, letting walk. Then you've got, you've got the Giants, so it doesn't seem like it's going to happen with them, even though he's pro- that's probably the best fit in a way for him, isn't it? Well, and it's then... a good trade, too, because they could get a Lockie Whitfield or they could get, you know... Taranto or one of the guys that don't necessarily want to come home but look like they're, they're going to be squeezed out. and You, can, you know, you could trade more so than you could uh, do yep. it with other clubs. And then the struggling cats, just so we can fit in there somewhere. He could oh. probably find a spot down there, you know, but um, salary cap issues would come into play, I would think. Wouldn't have thought so, Jerry. You wouldn't have thought so? <laughs> Old Bull, have you ever seen the two best ruckmen in the competition in the one team? I have. Tell me. Uh, very contentious, but there was an All-Australian side uh, named about 10 years ago where uh, Nick Natanui was um, named either in the pocket or ruck and uh, Cox was named as the ruck. And the All-Australian guys got criticised because um, Natanui was named All-Australian and it, but he only did 50% of the ruck. And one of the blokes in the next booth beside me was one of the uh, main uh, uh, exponents of that criticism. And I looked at who he had in his All-Australian side, and it was Dean Cox, who by virtue of the fact that Nick Natanui was in the side, so <laughs> 50%. To, did 50% of the ruck work as well. <laughs> so that sort of didn't really stack up. But uh, nevertheless, they were the two best ruckmen in the game right there and there, and they were a dominant force. Was that the year that Pav was at fullback, or was that another year? Um, I'm not sure that was the same year. Right, just yeah. checking. Uh, he was Martin. a tall defender. Yeah. We were ahead of our time, yeah, Hutto. <laughs> Dustin Martin, um, Brett Delidio's had really interesting thoughts on this today. So you talk about Brun- uh, Grundy not getting back, or Martin's not getting back in the home and away season. And Delidio's uh, used his own personal experience to, to have a little assessment of where Dusty might be at mentally. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit sceptical on the whole thing. I'm not saying that it's not a hammy, but I'm just... Um, I'm always nervous around uh, when players, when there's a bit of noise around them leaving and whatever else, and then it's the convenience of, oh, he's out. It's like, well, okay, but he will play in this finals. It's like, okay, well, let's just wait and see at the finals and see what happens then. But uh, I don't know. I'm just hearing a bit of noise around the big fella, and I'm not I'm not sure. I'm convinced on um, on everything that's going on. Uh, and it's a bit similar to my situation, I think, when I left. I, was, I had the calf, but... Probably could have come back, but then didn't. Had made my mind up that I was ready for a change, and um, you know it's just easy to sit out. We were never going to play finals, so that's that was that's hanging over the head a little bit. But I don't know; it just seems eerily similar. There's sort of that open question: is how much does Dusty want to play footy yep. at the moment? Well, no one knows that except Dusty. Yep. There's lots of speculation out in the media. We all get told things. We uh, you can believe them if you like, but uh, ultimately time will tell. Dusty will come back and play finals like he means it or believes it 
or he won't. It's as simple as that. And then and next year, if he doesn't come back and play, they'll, whilst the trade is on and the draft is on, there'll be all sorts of speculation, mainly around going to Sydney, I suppose. Well, it could be Brisbane if Buddy doesn't go to Brisbane, which that fell in the hole, that one, mm. um, despite the fact that last week it was a, it was a fact. But, I mean, these things are just going to have to play out. But it's, it's a shame for Richmond because, I mean, they are still a threat. And with Dusty in there, a much bigger threat. And his last half that he played, that yeah. first half, I think it was against the West Coast, was it? It was a game that I did. Yeah. Um, it was pretty good. I mean, the, th- the frustrating thing for me, and, you know, I, I built of different stuff from a public perspective and, you know, willingness to grab a microphone and clear things up is that Dusty could clear this up today. Yeah. He could clear it up right now. And just put out a memo like Buddy was actually forced to do, even though it didn't clarify too much. But he could just say, I'm a Tigers man, and I'll be here next year. I'm desperate to play footy. I mean, he would hear the rumours, and he could he could sort it out, and they'd be done with it. Mm. And he, he chooses not to. So I guess that's where the that's where the innuendo and the, and the suspicion starts and finishes. Did you bump into him during the week, Nathan? I was having a coffee, and he dropped by and said g'day, and... Uh... I think that, like, I can understand, I think, first real significant soft tissue injury, and I've been there at his age. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have a clue. And as you mentioned, Jared, ultimately his passion for footy going forward, only he has the answer for that. But I can also understand his trepidation and concern and uh, nervousness to keep pushing with an injury. Like when you've first done a soft tissue, not really sure how to manage it, and then you've a little bit of a hiccup on the way back, and it starts to really play with your mind. I think, um, you know, I would like to, if you're a Richmond person, I I think you'd hope that they're just being conservative, making sure that they tick every box and he comes back and plays and plays on, finishes his contract. That would be the ideal world for a Richmond uh, supporter, but only he has that answer, and uh, hopefully we find out, you know, sooner rather than later. It's really tricky, isn't it? When it's that huge amount of money yeah. and then as Damien originally said, he owes the club nothing because he's done so much, But which is true. But, but they, they At $1.3 million for yeah. the next two years, they need him. They do. Yeah. Out there, or they need him or, retired. Or they need the hole and the cap yeah. so they can cover it. Because I reckon their, their planning is, is looking pretty good otherwise, isn't it? We're like, yeah, they've got some good young kids coming through. They've got uh, some sort of middle-aged that are you know, playing some really good footy, but 1.3 invested in one person, you can't uh, you can't have a bloke who's not committed. So they need an answer. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Hello, we'll set you up for the rest of the round next. Some critical selections to be made for uh, the penultimate home and away round of the season with uh, so many possibilities still tied in with these two rounds to play. Our Coates Hire commentary team tonight, Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones. Coates, we're more than hire. We're equipped for anything. Back to AFL Nation. The pregame show is for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. St Kilda and the Brisbane Lions. The Saints are ninth. They're on the outside looking in. The Lions have an eye toward the top four and a little higher than that too as the next two Friday nights unfold. Before we delve deep and we'll get Hutto to set you up for the rest of the round, let's get an odds update. Thanks to Sportsbet. 
It's time for an odds update. Thanks to Sportsbet. Sportsbet's bet with mates. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. It's St Kilda vs Brisbane at Marvel Stadium tonight to kick off round 22. For the Saints, it's win or go home when it comes to their finals chances. And for the Lions, their top four spot and any chance at a home final is on the line. So there is plenty to play for on Friday night footy. Unsurprisingly, the Lions are heavy favourites at $1.52, although the Saints haven't been completely friendless at $2.48. Now, the line is set at 10.5, and quite a few punters are throwing their support behind the Saints at plus 10.5. These two sides met only nine weeks ago at the Gabba, and it was a wasteful Brisbane who prevailed by 21 points. With 28 scoring shots to 17, they should have put the Saints away earlier. On that night, St Kilda let Lockie Neal dominate and do as he absolutely pleased with 37 touches. But since then, first-year player Marcus Windhager has emerged as a tagger for the Saints with some good jobs on Tim Kelly and Jai Newcomb. So with that in mind, I want to bet into humour cluggage. He's $1.50 to get 25, but there is some good value for 30-plus disposals at $2.90. On the St Kilda side of things, the value sits with Jack Sinclair to get 30-plus at $2.55. He had 30 when these sides met in round 13, and we know he will take the kick-ins and provide plenty of run off half-back. So for my same-game multi, Humor Cluggage to get 30, Jack Sinclair 30, and Brisbane head-to-head because I just cannot trust St Kilda. Their last 10 weeks have been massively disappointing after their 8-3 and three start. That nets you a juicy $10.50 in your same-game multi. Enjoy your Friday night footy punters wherever you're watching, and if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-858-858. Damning stuff in the betting update. All thanks to Sportsbet. Gamble responsibly, 1-800-858-858. Hutto, set us up for round 22. A huge match tonight, obviously, Jared, which we'll get to shortly. And Saturday night is uh, the other huge fixture, which, uh, of course, added interest with uh, Paddy Cripps being available. But the most recent updates are with the Sunday games for teams. So we'll get to those first. Richmond and Hawthorne at the MCG. Jack Ross has been omitted, as has Jason Castagna, who was the sub last week coming in for Nick Flosstone to for allow Shane Edwards to return for game 301. And Liam Shields is back in the Hawthorne team with McDonald, uh, Connor McDonald being managed and Buckler omitted out of last week. Um, any issues there for Richmond, do you think? I mean, Hawthorne's aren't a team you can take lightly, really, at the, at the moment, no, are they? Richmond will have to, be at, have to be at their best to get there. They've been, um, they've been really impressive, Hawthorne, in the way that they've uh, challenged all the sides they've played. They've only had a couple of bloopers. And uh, they'll be up for the fight. Jonesy, see Yeah, I think the Tigers will get it done, but it's it's a danger game because, as you said, you just can't underestimate the Hawks. I think when teams have given them the chance, they've shown they're well and truly capable. Sunday, no change for the Swans uh, with uh, Ronk, the Medi sub from last week, the only man out, and similar scenario with Collingwood with uh, Trent Bianco who was the, the Medi sub last week. He, he came on to replace Will Hoskin Elliott. Uh, and then, so that's Sydney and Collingwood. That's a huge, that's a well, massive Sydney game. are ma- major favourites for this, and I'm not quite sure why. I mean, people still thinking, I think, that there's been 10 reds, so you've got to back the black <laughs> with uh, Collingwood. It's 11 now, isn't it? Um, but, I mean, this is a toss of the coin game. I know the Swans are at their home game, but uh, this is a dead set toss of the coin game, and I'm uh, looking forward to going and watching it. You saw them in person last week. Jared, I know you've seen a lot of Sydney, but... Yep. They're impressive. Yeah. Their midfield's really impressive. They've pushed a few out. They've got some youth coming in. Um, so they're playing really good football. And, you know, if Buddy impacts, well, they can win. And if he doesn't, well, they can still win anyway. Sam Ray's playing the best footy of his life. But like everybody, I've been so impressed with Collingwood. 
at the G last Friday, it was impossible not to get excited about uh, just how how fast they moved the ball. And uh, you've got two of the best ball-moving sides in the competition. Should be a great game. I love what Sydney have done this year. And they had a bit of a lean patch in the middle of the year where we weren't quite sure and it looked like, oh, actually, they're probably a year or two away. But it feels like that's changed over the last four or five weeks. Yeah, I think... We spoke about it. Well, a lot of the sort of sentiment at the middle half of the year is the team that keeps on improving all the way to the final line is the team that generally wins the flag. And they've got all the hallmarks of it. And you only have to sort of uh, break down their game style in sort of all phases and it stacks up to being, you know, premiership quality. Yep. Uh, it's a matter of just maintaining that form and, uh, you know, taking on all ahead of them uh, as they lead into September. But they're well and truly capable. And, and likewise, the Pies. Yep. Who's the better t- – whose horse would you rather have? That's oh, it's like a, I love I love Collingwood. I love watching them play. But I, I look at the, their game style and I just get a little bit worried at the fact teams can really dominate them around the contest, knowing full well of what it takes in September to be, uh, to be really strong and sound in that area. But – they keep finding a way, so, and they keep proving me wrong, and they're a team I've just really enjoyed that ride. I think the pies for mine, but, um, yeah, it's a, tough, it's a real flip of the coin with those two sides. Essendon and Port Adelaide uh, is the, the final game on Sunday. Shield, Corwell, Bryan come into the Essendon team. Hobbs has omitted. Jones has omitted. Hasn't been getting a lot of the footy. Stewart injured. Snelling injured. That comes off their loss last week to the Giants. Georgiades and Marshall, we talked about both their absence last week. Both are back in for Port Adelaide. Mackenzie omitted. Uh, Kingy had him being moved off Tom Lynch about five minutes into the first quarter yeah. last week. And he hadn't even scored a goal uh, midway through the quarter. And, uh, and uh, Kingy still wanted that move to be made. Robbie Gray has been managed and Tickle only lasted one week coming back. Well, this is a tough game. I mean, it's at, uh, it's at the MCG, is it not? Uh, it's here. It's here, is it? Well, I've seen the Bombers play really well here. So you'd expect them to finish the season strongly. But Kevin Smith retiring... Our... Today, that was one of the other stories we haven't got to yeah, yet. Yeah, it was. It's a shame that he's gone out uh, as early as he has in this professional era. Um, why, why did he retire? He's got a grumpy knee. knee. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Which he can't do much about. But, uh, you know, he was such an exciting young player of the Giants. And he came to Essendon and won a best and fairest. But, uh, unfortunately, injuries have not allowed him to, to blossom like we thought he would. He's finishing the year now for Ben Rutten. These last two weeks, important for his credibility? Or does it matter? not matter oh, too I much? I think wins. They're important. Just for the moment. I mean, that, no one cares about it uh, when January comes around. But, I mean, it's a long off-season. You win strongly. It, it breeds, you know, some confidence with the group. You go you go to the pre-season. You, you've reset yourself after a poor year. You've come back in the second half. You've finished strongly. You believe in each other a little bit more, and I think that helps. All right, let's come back to Saturday night. Melbourne, Carlton. Paddy Dow, probably the only Carlton person uh, unhappy with Paddy Cripps yeah. being... Uh, cleared to play. Does, does, it give, does it give them the boost that is meaningful going into the game, do you think? or is it, or, or They're going not? to be a much better side with, with the captain in than with him out. I don't think they're going to win, but I think that they can beat Collingwood the following week if they uh, get yeah. a couple of others back. But it's, it's a big if, but they had no chance, in my view, had he not been there, because the belief wouldn't be there. They're still down a couple of inside mids. But, you know, they've got to get a little bit more out of a few of the other players around the deck right now. They've got to get uh, Harry Mackay to start uh, dominating, getting back to the first half of the year form. Wiedering has got to continue to play to play well, get back to his very best. Um, 
Do they have to be braver with the footy a bit? Well, I think they have to be braver, and I think they need to be more experimental. I thought last week they should have put uh, Paddy Dow onto Lockie Neal. Give that kid a chance yep. to win himself a role in the team. It's not going to be as a collector of the footy and a distributor because he's had four or five years of trying that, and it didn't work. So last week when he came in, I thought, well, there's your obvious, there's your obvious challenge. And, you know, they gave it to uh, Sam Walsh, and, and, and it didn't help Walsh's game, and it didn't curtail Lockie, Lockie Neal. So it was, a, it was a double loss. They're still experimenting, the Blues, aren't they? Pitnett's back in, and uh, Taconing is out. So. Yeah, well, he lost all his confidence. With, you know, it was, a, it was one of those selection issues that just backfired. It was there for the with all the right intent, but didn't do wonders for them. Silvani was disenfranchised for a period of time and uh, De Koning lost his form and now he's out of the side. All right, so that's uh, Saturday night, which is obviously going to be huge. Uh, the Gold Coast Suns and Geelong, uh, North Melbourne and Adelaide and the Bulldogs and Greater Western Sydney are the other matches after tonight's big game. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.